Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to another episode of Boom Lawyered, a Rewire News Group podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that is pretty jazzed about the fact that Democrats held the Senate. So let's see those jazz hands, people, those spirit fingers. I'm Rewire News Group's editor-at-large, Imani Gandhi. And I'm Jess Piclo, Rewire News Group's executive editor. Rewire News Group is the one and only home for expert repro journalism that inspires you to thank a Gen Z voter today. And the Boomlerd podcast is part of that mission. So big thanks to our subscribers and welcome to our new listeners and viewers. So last week's midterms. Mm-hmm. Wow. They went a lot better for Democrats than I thought they were going to. You know, there was this talk about a red wave and a red tsunami. And I actually heard someone on Twitter refer to it as red spotting. <laughs> I saw someone call it a pregnancy scare. It's just fucking hysterical is what that is. However, (laughs) despite Democrats' success, I Uh think that last week's midterm solidified what we've been saying all season, right? Mm. And that is, this Supreme Court is the vehicle through which the white supremacist project of white dominance is going to be realized, right? Mm. The relegation of women and other potential pregnant people to second-class citizenship, the continued attacks on trans people, trans kids, and gender-affirming health care, the erasure of marginalized people just generally, that is how this is going to get done. The Supreme Court is getting this done. Yeah, yeah. And Amani, I agree with you like 8,000% because after last week, it's pretty clear that if the midterms are any indication, it's not the will of the people. They pretty resoundedly rejected this nonsense, right? But we've got a captured Supreme Court that we've seen already this term is taking up cases to strip away rights that it has no business taking up. And now we've got the midterms that shows that we're really in a battle between the democratic will of the people and a captured federal judiciary that is intent, like you said, on imposing its own version of this like white Christian project on America. And that's what we're going to talk about, right? SCOTUS versus the people. Dun, SCOTUS dun, versus the people. Dun, dun, dun. It's like <laughs> the worst SVU ever. Totally ripped from the headlines. So, you know, as I said, conservatives predicted this red wave, this red tsunami. But when all of the votes are counted and the count's still happening, it is still going on, which totally normal. Totally normal. normal. Stop freaking out. There's nothing to indicate that there are any election shenanigans going on. But, you know, it's likely that Republicans will take back the House, even though Democrats are shockingly close, which would be truly the best performance in midterms, I would say, in modern history. But even if Republicans do take back the House, it will be by a much smaller margin then the talking heads at Fox News would have had you believe mm-hmm. or Republican strategists appearing on CNN would have had you believe. Mm-hmm. And Democrats held the Senate. That's a thing that happened. It did. So it's, it's on. It's on. It's, you know, 
The fact that conservatives even performed as well as they did in this midterm election, though, Imani, is thanks to the Supreme Court, right? Like we've we talked about that a little bit in this podcast already, but it's a case, Merrill versus Milligan. That case permitted racial gerrymandering to be used in this election. And boy, oh boy, was it used in this election. <laughs> boy, howdy, was it used. Um, Yeah. You're absolutely correct. And let's just do a quick recap about Merrill versus Milligan. We did a podcast on it. You should go back and listen to it. But oh, for yeah. those of you who are just getting into this right now, Merrill versus Milligan is a case in which Alabama drew some very racist maps, right? So Despite racist. the fact that 27% of the population in Alabama is black, somehow Alabama Republicans could only come up with one majority black district, right? Just one. And black folks, NAACP voters were like, hey, man, we're pretty sure you could probably find another one. And so they did. They drew up some maps that showed that there could be two majority black districts. And so what, what SCOTUS did, what, what Alabama did is what Alabamans want to do. Is they went and complained to the Supreme Court. And in February of this year, it's still 2022, right? <laughs> Time is a flat circle. Yeah. February of this year, the Supreme Court essentially suspended the prohibition in the Voting Rights Act on racial gerrymandering, right? Historically, the Voting Rights Act has permitted, permitted, prohibited, as a matter of fact, states <laughs> from drawing racist maps. Could you imagine if the Voting Rights Act was like, you know, it's cool, draw all the racist maps you want, America. We <laughs> no, are down <laughs> with this. That's not what the VRA does. The VRA prohibited <laughs> drawing racist maps, like the ones we saw in Alabama. Yeah. And, you know, in addition to Alabama, there are Republicans in other states like Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, South Carolina, Texas, that all packed black and brown voters in as few districts as possible and then sprinkled black and brown people across the vanilla districts and the rest of the state like so many sprinkles on an ice cream sundae, right? Just like, here's some for you. Here's some black people for you. A couple black people over here. A couple Latino people over here. and. <laughs> And it's just, it, even though there were some judges, some federal court judges that found that these states had drawn racist maps, right? For example, a federal judge in Georgia declined to impose new maps because the court in Milligan in this emergency application in February of this year had basically said, you know what, we're going to wait until after the midterms because these maps are just too close to the midterms. And I don't know if you recall this, we talked about Justice Kegstand. Brad mm -hmm. McBeer, who had this dissent, that, this, uh, this, uh, this opinion that basically said, you know what, we, we, have to, we have to be mindful of the Purcell Doctrine. And the Purcell Doctrine is a jurisprudential principle that says you really shouldn't muck about with election rules when it's too close to the election. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Alabama drew these racist maps like a whole last year before the midterm. There was plenty of time to redraw the maps, plenty of time to implement them. In Texas, for example, racist maps which reduce Black and Latinx representation, even though those populations have grown over the last decade, those racist maps were used. Same thing happened in South Carolina. And in Louisiana, get this, in hmm. Louisiana, a federal judge struck down a racist gerrymandered map and the Supreme Court reinstated it. Re reinstated. So Louisiana, which otherwise would not have run its election on racist maps, ran its election on racist maps because essentially disenfranchisement has a friend in SCOTUS. Like this, 
disenfranchised. I was just going to say, why am I now hearing Randy Newman? Randy Newman thing. You've got a friend in SCOTUS. Black people don't and they can't vote in SCOTUS. You've got, I'm sorry. But like, that's a Toy Story reference, I think. Is that Toy Story? You've got a friend in SCOTUS. Someone who's got musical skills, please write that. We need that jingle. (laughs) I'm still... I'm still working through the image that you painted of black and brown voters as the funfetti in our democracy. <laughs> exactly. Just drop yeah. them from the sky. <laughs> Let them. I, I mean, but but seriously, as you were going through that history, not just of the case, but like the impact, what what the Supreme Court really did by allowing one state out of the out of the jump to implement uh, a bunch of race or its racist map was all the other states that followed. And you're taking these states off. You're like, Texas, Florida, Georgia. And I'm sitting here going, huh, you know what those states all have in common? It turns out that they are pretty important when it comes to things like abortion rights. Yeah. Civil rights. Yeah democracy if that's yes. your thing in general <laughs> if that's <laughs> your jam <laughs> but really like they there could have been potentially a progressive wave but for the supreme court allowing states to run elections on these maps just to give it a go we'll yeah. see what happens just the just one time run. what's that yeah. gonna hurt it's just a soft rollout, really. A but- soft rollout of racist maps. <laughs> it's a soft brand opening. <laughs> but, but truly, like, so, so that's one very specific way that the Supreme Court has put its thumb on the scales of this midterm election. But I think there's another. Mm. And that is the way in which its decisions and just kind of being like a terrible fascist turd has galvanized voters, right? Like it galvanized turnout around things like, you know, we're seeing abortion, guns, climate change. And in my opinion, Amani, this is really the battle that's going to define generations here, right? Can any progressive policy stand with the Supreme Court? I'm going to, I'm going to go, go with no. I'm going to say no. no. Because, I mean, what do we have in this court? An illegitimate body. Yeah. And and Republicans are using this illegitimate court as a legislative body, not even yeah. as a judiciary, right? As you said, yeah. they're taking cases they have no business taking. They're substituting their own version of facts for the facts that were found, found by the actual fact finders in the lower mm-hmm. courts. It's just whatever these Fed sock people want to do, they've got the Fed sock six on the court just waiting, champing at the bit to do it. Totally, totally. And we can use abortion, the issue of abortion as like a like send up on this because it is so clear, right? In this election, the anti-choice advocates, community activists, they got wrecked. Flattened. (laughs) Flattened. They did. They got flayed. (laughs) They fucked around and found out, if you will. (laughs) But truly, the abortion rights wave that started over the summer in Kansas continued to play out through states across the country. And it really sets up this dichotomy that we're talking about of the Supreme Court versus the will of the people. All right. We're going to get into that. 
But I'm going to say, Amani, not all abortion victories uh, at the midterms are the same. But let's let's talk about what happened because it is super exciting. California yeah. ballot initiative. Go California, right? Hallelujah, but California. Voters there approved a measure that protects abortion and contraception, right? Like massive capstone to a huge legislative push in that state. Yep. And then there's Michigan. There's a ballot initiative in Michigan. Voters approved amending the Michigan Constitution to explicitly protect the rights to abortion, thus ensuring that the state's pre-Roe abortion ban cannot go back into effect. They tried. They lost. And then the voters were like, nah, dog, we're putting this shit in the Constitution. And if you want to fix it, you have to amend the Constitution. Good luck with that. Nah, dog, we're putting this shit in the Constitution. (laughs) I want that on a mug. (laughs) (laughs) That's too good. (laughs) But I mean, Vermont... Yeah, Vermont approved a ballot uh, measure amending its state constitution to protect abortion rights and, quote, ensure that every Vermonter, Vermonter? That's a term. Vermontian? Vermontian? No, Vermonter. It's It says Vermonter in my script. Is afforded personal reproductive liberty. And I talked about this in uh, the newsletter, The Fallout. It is not an easy process what folks in Vermont did. This is a multi-year, multi-legislative session process. So a campaign was a foot for years and years and years. Big snaps to Vermont there. Yeah. We've got Kentucky, which rejected a ballot measure that would have amended the constitution to state that there is no right to an abortion in the Kentucky constitution. And voters were like, I don't know, man, fuck you. There might be. (laughs) (laughs) There might, there's not necessarily one, but there goddamn well might be. And Absolutely. Montana also, they rejected a ballot initiative requiring medical intervention to save babies born alive. And as you and I know, and as long time <laughs> Jess is sinking into her chair, like out of, like, out of camera, <laughs> but born alive isn't a thing. Actually, born alive is a thing. It's called birth. <laughs> it's but called no birth. born people. alive in the context that Republicans and anti-choicers like to use it. Like if you're born alive, you're fucking born, man. Congratulations. You made it out of the uterine Bastille. And there's no, there's no abortion, like any sort of abortion related, anything that has something to do. I just, it's just, it's, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating, but I mean, so apologies in advance for everybody who's going to have to listen to me prattle on and on and on about how Kentucky is a purple state because Kentucky is a purple state and this is very exciting and I will be talking all about it. But the other thing is, Amani, people really like voting on abortion rights and access. Yeah. They really like it. Like it's super, super popular. And I'm starting to see folks, you know, respond to be like, amazing, abortion, super popular, Put it on every ballot. Why? Why is that not a good idea? Should and we I put just, it on every ballot? I, I just maybe not. Maybe okay. not. Like okay. I hate. I'm sorry. Don't I hate to be that person. It's a safe no, space, I'm not. Just it's a safe space. <laughs> I am. I like so. Okay, I don't want to lawyer this, but I'm going to lawyer this because I'm Jess, and that's what I do. So you know, Kentucky, Montana, amazing, decisive victories. These are defensive votes, right? These are not voters affirmatively embracing abortion rights the way voters in Vermont and California did, all right? They are voters, Kentucky, Montana, they're rejecting additional attacks. That's a hold the line vote, if you will. 
right? So they're just not the same. It's an apples and oranges comparison. And not all state Democratic parties are here to support pro-abortion measures. I wish that were not the case, but it is true. Voters may be there, but the party folks may not themselves. And so I worry about the idea of running something the equivalent of like a 50-state strategy in places where the apparatus is not there to support it. So, for example, Ohio, Florida, the Dakotas, love you folks. Your state Democratic Party needs some work before I think you can get a really good pro-abortion ballot initiative with success rather than something that's going to take the wind out of sails in some important times. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's just, I know we're all caught up in the fact that it went better for Democrats and progressives than we anticipated. I was personally braced for a really bad showing Mm -hmm. and what that meant. But I just, I want folks to take a second and be like, all right, like, Let's 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 enjoy the win. Let's build off the victories. Let's, but let's build off that strategically and not rush in and just like assume that like that's a thing that we can do. And conservatives are hilarious about this too. Like the way they're trying to sort of rationalize the fact that they did really poorly, saying things like, "Well, yeah, sure, in California and Montana and Kentucky and these other places, all <laughs> these places, abortion was on the ballot. Abortion won." But Marco Rubio and Ron DeSantis are pro-life, quote unquote pro-life, and they won their races. So we're still in it, guys. Seriously, Marco Rubio and Ron DeSantis are going to be your bellwethers of how successfully your movement is doing? Absolutely. You guys thought you had it on lock after Dobbs and you don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we're going to see, you know, uh, Democrats and progressives really making an an effort to protect and expand abortion rights and access at the states where they can. But Amani, I think we're also going to see conservatives look to those states and do a run up to SCOTUS on personhood. Like, I think the personhood battle now becomes a statewide battle in the short term. And this is kind of terrifying. You got to explain what you mean by that. What do you you got to flesh that out for me? (laughs) Okay, so, you know, while we're wrestling with the future of abortion rights and access, the conservative movement in this country knows that they have the federal judiciary on lock. And that means that they can, as you said at the beginning of the show, treat it as a legislative body. It's not a lawmaking body in the sense of explaining the law. It is a lawmaking body in the sense that conservatives now use it to institute policy that is anti-democratic and extremely unpopular, i.e. all the abortion shit they just tried to pull, right? Right. So they will do that with some kind of life begins at conception in one of these exceptionally rigged states in a state like Florida. We're already seeing it, right? Florida has has a uh, conservative captured uh, supermajority in the state. And the first thing that their elected officials are, you know, uh, champing at the bit for is to roll back abortion rights and access. Devastating because Florida in that part of the country is a key regional point of access. But but this is where the battle is. Mm-hmm. So, Gen Z. Give it up des- for Gen Z. <laughs> you destroyed conservatives. They full really stop. Did in this last election. And I hate to put this on you, 
but please I'm gonna <laughs> please keep it up. Please help like, us. Mom's tired. Mom is so tired. Up. Like Jess and I are both Gen X, and like Gen Xers are just MAGA as fuck. Like not me, not not a lot of black and black and brown women for starters, and obviously there are tons of progressive Gen Xers, but. Gen Z, you got to cancel us out. Please cancel us. <laughs> white women. Gen Z, white cancel women. Cancel white women. Oh, God. That's going to be the clip that airs on Fox News. <laughs> Woke journalist Imani Gandhi said. Woke journalist Imani Gandhi said, cancel white women. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'll be in the Daily Mail again. But truly, like, Gen Z... And this is this is the moment. We are going to have a bunch of terrible bills getting passed in states looking to enshrine uh, fetal personhood, you know, any, like any sort of cockamamie abortion restriction that you can imagine right now will get cooked up in some of these places to see if it can stick. The Supreme Court, the federal judiciary versus the voters versus the people. Imani, this is this is yeah. where we're at. This is the fight. I like it. The lines have been drawn. Lines have been drawn. And, you know, and Gen Z, they're not to be trifled with. This is a, you know, this is a generation that grew up on the internet, grew up on social media. I mean, watching some of these old fogies, and I, I mean, I don't consider myself an old fogie because I'm fairly well-versed in social media, but you know, you recall Matt Getz going after Olivia Juliana, and then she raised like $3 million. Like these there people are not fucking around. So not I feel like, I feel like. Gen Z could save us all. And I like it. I'm here for it. I'm here for our Gen Z overlords. <laughs> Me too. Me too. At any rate, that's going to shut us down for today. You know, it's votes are still being counted. Totally normal. Right. But I think it's time for some, I think it's time for some celebration of it. Yeah. A little bit. So let's celebrate. If you want to celebrate with me and Jess on Twitter, you can find on what's left of Twitter anyway. You can find me there at Angry Black Lady. You can find Jess there at Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. You should follow Twitter. You should follow Twitter. You should follow Rewire News Group on Twitter. You should follow Rewire News Group on, group on Instagram and on YouTube where you can get notifications for when our podcasts go live. Also, if you don't want to watch us, you can still listen to us. Google Play. Apple Podcasts, wherever you normally get your podcast, Spotify, et cetera, we'll still be there. We're, we're not going anywhere, right? And on that note, what are we going to do? We're going to see you on the tubes, folks. See you on the tubes, folks. Mm -hmm.